Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Happy Saturday morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's great to uh, connect with you all. This is the first time. All the practitioners are coming together for a class, and what a wonderful event it is. We are happy to welcome um, my teacher and co-founder of Inspire, Jennifer Hadley. Welcome, Jennifer. Good morning. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jennifer, uh, and then um, I'm going to hand it over to her. But first, I'd like to just do a quick little um, attendance call here. So if everybody could quickly unmute yourself just so you could say here, and then after you say here, go ahead and mute yourself again, and uh, we'll get the party started. Uh, the party's already started. Okay, so from uh, year one, uh, Tom, are you here? Yes, I am. All right, great. Steven? I am. Great. Kelly? Yeah. Yep, I'm here. Great. Amina. Amina going once, going twice. Maybe you'll let me know later. Patsy. Here. Mar. Here. Lisa. Here. Great. Brian. Here. Great. Chris. might be in a different country right now. We'll see. Chris, okay. Sushant? Yes. Beautiful. And Mike? Mike Marinkovich? Mike, going once, going twice. All right. Uh, you're two. Brandon? Here. Great. Mark? Here. Great. Martha. Here. Vanessa. Here. Loki. Here and now. Hello. Jennifer. Here. And Zach. Here. Hi, Zach. Cool. So one more time, I'll just uh, ask real quick, uh, Amina. I might be traveling today from the East Coast. Uh, Chris Tompkins. And Mike Marinkovich. All right. Well, I trust that everyone who is supposed to be here is here and everyone else. Thank goodness. Remind, just a reminder to everyone that um, each of our classes are recorded. So if you do um, happen to miss one, uh, please review the class you missed. And then um, uh, when you can, submit a one-page write-up on your takeaways from the class. Okay, um, and just to remind everyone, there's two absences allotted per quarter. Beautiful. So let's 
turn our attention to the wonderful Jennifer Hadley. I am so, um, I'm never short of gratitude because I'm a smart man um, when it comes to thinking of how uh, Jennifer has just touched my life. She is truly, I, I call her a master teacher without any hesitation because I truly believe that's what she is. She is um, someone who not only has a deep um, wisdom as a result of applying these principles in her life, but she continues to peel off the layers. She's not allowing herself to stay um, comfortable, if you will, though she's very comfortable. She continues to go deeper and deeper because she has a commitment to wake up now. She has... Um, said publicly that she is committed to enlightenment this lifetime. Why wait? She's going for it. And it is very, very clear when you are with her or when you are experiencing her teachings that that is exactly what is unfolding in, as, and through her life. She has been my mentor for uh, over five years, um, and I was very, I feel very fortunate uh, to have connected with her. I, I feel like our relationship is karmic. I'm sure she feels the same way. And she um, really took on this project of this spiritual community with me without really even knowing me. <laughs> but the uh, intuitive yes, I think, was felt with both of us. And so for three and a half years, the first three and a half years, she really took me on as an apprentice of sorts. And um, I'm forever, ever grateful for her. And she continues, as I said, she continues to be my teacher because, like I mentioned before, she continues to con- go down the path. She continues to peel off the layers. She continues to go deeper. And um, it's just a magnificent, marvelous thing to experience her and watch her do what she does so masterfully. So um, because of her commitment to support this community, she has, is doing a great active service for us all, and once a month she comes and she leads a class here um, with all of us. And so I really invite everybody to get comfortable uh, and really make sure that there's no distractions around. And I find with Jennifer's teachings, um, you can just close your eyes and open yourself up to receive. So I do invite everybody Uh, to have a writing utensil and a journal with you. So if something comes up or you hear something that's really golden, feel free to write that down. And after her teaching, we'll take a very short break, and then we'll open up the class for a Q&A session so you can ask her some questions. And I really invite everyone, any questions that come up to the surface, please, please ask them, even if it doesn't seem related to what her discussion, her teaching was based on. Um, really quickly, I see that two other people have joined the call. So um, if you could just let me know who just hopped on, um, I would be grateful. Is there a, a Mike, a Chris, or an Amina that hopped on? I don't think you guys are on mute, so uh, I'll touch base with everybody after class, or you can just email me. If, if I didn't call your name in our uh, roll call, just shoot me a text or give, send me an email, and we'll, uh, I'll make sure to mark you guys' 
um, here for today. Okay. All right. So without further ado, I um, I give you all my friend, teacher, and uh, colleague and soul sister, of course, um, Jennifer Hadley. Thank you, Jesse. I'm so happy to be with everyone. And uh, first, let me say that uh, I, if you hear the sound of a rooster, <laughs> that's because uh, there are roosters in my neighborhood here in uh, Kauai. There's wild chickens, roosters, hens all over the island. Um, they they got loose. Uh, I guess a couple decades ago in the storm, so they have multiplied and they're just wild all over the island. So if you hear the the rooster, that's uh, just part of the neighborhood here. <laughs> and I like to begin with a prayer. So I'm going to invite everyone to place their hand on their heart and to turn within with me. And we begin with a few breaths of gratitude. Just so grateful, very, very grateful that we're choosing to be wholehearted right now. So grateful that we're giving ourselves this gift of awakening to our true identity and letting go the false teachings of the ego and the world, the ones we've all tried to make happen that have not satisfied us. So we're grateful that we're giving that up to experience the kingdom of heaven, which is our true destiny. So we're giving ourselves divine permission here and opening our heart and mind to the very highest possibility of love. We're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self, our own true identity, the I am that I am. And the I am presence of each one of us is one with the I am presence of all beings. We are one with each other. And so we're grateful to awaken our mind to the unity and oneness of all life, our God self. Grateful to consciously connect and commune and to surrender thoughts of lack and limitation, thoughts of not enough, blame and shame, regret and resentment. We're giving ourselves permission to surrender anything that we haven't forgiven, that we hold as something negative from the past. We're willing to open our heart and mind to harvest the benefit from every experience we've ever had and to know the truth that sets us free. We share gratefully the benefits of our life of love with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we allow it to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 <laughs> Can you hear the rooster? Ah. Oh. So, Jesse asked me to share about a teaching that I offer and call Heart-Mind Congruency. 
Now, in our life experience, especially those of you who are feeling called to a deeper spiritual practice and and to represent, to represent uh, yourself as this uh, one who is on a path of awakening and, and spiritual unfoldment, a dedicated student, if you will, like myself, uh, because I'm I'm a trained science of mind practitioner and minister from the Agape community. And so I've had a lot of spiritual training. And it took me a long time to see this, to really, really get it. And I had so much confusion and experience of suffering uh, while I was studying and studying for literally uh, 20 years, studying spiritual teaching, still not getting it, understanding it intellectually, but not getting it in my heart. So when I think of the heart, I think of what is it that I actually believe? So Lao Tzu said the, the longest journey is from the head to the heart. That's the longest journey, getting out of our head and living from our heart. So for many of us, the intellect drives almost everything we do, or so we think. And our heart, in our heart, is where we hold our beliefs, or so it seems. So we're interested in making this journey from the head to the heart. So... This heart-mind congruency teaching that I'm going to offer you today is a clear pathway for how to clear the clutter from the mind and the heart and to really learn how to focus so that you can live the life you'd really like to live and be a truly healing and beneficial presence in this world. And... This was so hard for me to get, but once I got this, everything else began to click into place. So you may have had this experience, I've had it millions of times, where in your heart, you'd like to experience love. You'd like to experience peace. You'd like to experience joy and freedom and prosperity and abundance and wholeness, and harmony, and creativity, and wisdom. All of these are spiritual qualities of God. They are our true nature. The spiritual qualities of God are what we are. We are peace. I am peace. I am love. I am joy. I am prosperity. I am wholeness. These spiritual qualities are our true nature. And we're waking up to them in our heart. Now, for a long time, I walked around wanting, wanting, wanting to experience these spiritual qualities. And for many, many years, it was simply, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to feel peaceful. I wanted to feel good enough. 
I wanted to feel like I knew what I was doing. I wanted to feel like I was successful. I wanted to feel like I was loved and lovable. I wanted to feel loving towards other people. I wanted to feel compassion for other people. I wanted to just be harmonious. I was wanting, wanting, wanting to feel all of these things deeply in my heart. In my mind, I was consistently and constantly regurgitating thoughts like, something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough, I'm bad. Those people, they're bad, they're wrong, they're not good enough. They have hurt me, they deserve to be punished. Thinking thoughts like shoulda, woulda, coulda, lots of blame, lots of shame. Felt like there was something deeply wrong with me. Studying this spiritual stuff for a long time, not getting it. My life is only improving by just little macro movements, or micro movements, rather. And thinking, gosh... Why am I still so angry and bitter? Why do I still feel so sad, so depressed, so confused? And for a long time, I felt like, gosh, you know, I think other people can get this stuff. Because I get it intellectually, but somehow my life really is not healing. I'm not letting go of these resentments and these regrets and these hurts and this feeling of suffering that I'm experiencing and regurgitating all the time. Here I am, I'm studying and studying this spiritual stuff, and it almost seems like the more I study it, the more I fall into traps of self-medication with alcohol, with cigarettes, with food, with exercise, with work, with sex, all these different forms of self-medication. I keep being drawn into them, and then uh, I, I fall down the rabbit hole, and then I wake up from that fall, and I feel guilty and ashamed and stupid and bad and wrong again. Like, why can't I get off this hamster wheel? I've been studying this spiritual stuff. I understand it intellectually. Why am I still struggling this way? What's wrong with me? Why can't I get it? And for a long time, I felt like if I could just find the right teacher, if I could just find the one who actually knows, that would help me. If I could just, there's some clue, there's some piece of this puzzle of living a happy, harmonious, spiritual life and waking up that I do not have. Who has the piece of the puzzle that I'm missing? How can I get it? Maybe a psychic has it. Maybe a spiritual teacher has it. Maybe a book has it. Maybe a workshop has it. Maybe a class has it. Somebody's got to have it. I don't have it, but somebody's got to have it. Why can't I find it? I'm doing everything I can think of. Why is it not working for me? So that's the place that I started from. And what I had was a true, true willingness to have a breakthrough. And it wasn't just that I wanted to stop suffering. 
because for a lot of spiritual students, the main impetus that they're following is they want to stop suffering. They want to learn how to manifest the perfect boyfriend, girlfriend, the perfect body, the perfect job, the perfect amount of money, the perfect successful career where people admire them and now their friends and family realize they're not an idiot. They're actually an amazing, incredible person, and they're sharing their gifts and talents with the world and being a beneficial presence. So they, they want all that glory in the world. A lot of spiritual students, that was me. And so what, what shifted for me was I moved into this willingness of all that I really want, I realized, is I really, all I would really like to know is God. I would like to have God fully present in my heart and my mind and driving everything in my life. And for me, God is love. So I moved into a place where all I really, really would like is to be loving and to make all my choices loving to be a loving presence on this planet in my own life, in the conversations with my friends. I want to stop bickering with my friends, stop thinking that my friends need to be fixed, that I'm better than them, that I'm worse than them. The, the, the inner critic and the competition, I want to stop all that and just be loving. I'd like to just be patient and kind and compassionate and generous and loving. That's really the only thing that I would like. I'd like to live in that space and walk in the world in that space. And I honestly said, and then, you know, money, fame, fortune, lover, career, all that stuff, that's not what's important to me anymore just want to get to this place where I can be wholly and completely loving, wholeheartedly loving. And I had a willingness. I didn't know how to get there, but I had that willingness and I had that desire. And once I had that, seriously, for even a moment, but fully, authentically, sincerely, for a moment, then what happened was, the, the spark of God in my heart became lit like a real flame, a real flame. And I got this insight that I was giving myself permission all day long to be unkind to myself and to others, to think unkind thoughts about them to judge them and attack them with my thoughts. Now, on the surface, I did my best to hide it. I did my best to hide all the judgments, all the thoughts of lack and limitation and attack. And a lot of spiritual students are very good at prevent, presenting the spiritually perfect person, while inside they're deeply suffering, they feel lost, they can feel confused, they feel frightened, and they feel like they're never going to get it. 
So I didn't want to live that way anymore. I was sick to death of it. And I said, I just would like to know how to be fully loving. And what happened was I began to see, oh, I have this deep yearning and desire in my heart to be truly loving, authentically loving all the time, not just pretending. And my mind is not congruent with that at all. And if there's a little bit of congruency, then you can have a little bit of clarity. But the more congruent I became, the more I began to look at those attack thoughts and say, you know what? I am not interested in energizing that. I don't care how much evidence the world presents to me that I have a right to think that thought of attack. I am not interested investing in investing my precious heart awareness, my attention, my energy in that thought anymore. I'm going to give that thought to the spirit for healing. I'm going to walk away from investing in that thought again. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to turn in another direction. And the only place there was for me to turn was into my heart and to find the love, the compassion, the patience, the kindness. And the more I began to recognize the power of my thought, and the more I became to really be willing to hold a loving thought, to align my deep desire to be loving with the thoughts that I was choosing, the more I began to feel good about myself and successful in the world, the easier my life became in a certain way, like energetically, it became easier. I was still having many, many opportunities to strengthen this commitment and to work my mind, which I still do have every single day. But it's not painful anymore. It's actually joyful. So what I realized was I kept going back and forth between my heart and my mind. One minute, I I have a deep desire to be loving, and the next minute, I'm choosing to attack. And I was choosing to attack so much more than I was choosing to be loving. So a loving thought is, let's say, a thousand times more powerful than an attack thought. But I was thinking a thousand attack thoughts for every loving thought when I started to wake up to what was happening in my life. So my loving thoughts and my attack thoughts were canceling each other out. And that's why I wasn't making any traction. That's why I wasn't really going anywhere. That's why it seemed like I was stuck in the spin cycle, just going around and around and around. It was my own doing. So I began to see, oh, if I just focus even a little bit more on the loving thoughts, a little bit less on the attack thoughts, 
I could start to actually make some real progress here. And that became incentive. It became inspired to do that. So when I began this work, I was motivated by my suffering. So I've come to realize that ego will constantly provide motivation. Our suffering is a really strong motivation. But inspiration is much more powerful. So when we start this journey to make our heart and mind congruent with love, we start on a journey of going from being motivated by the pain, pushed by the pain, to be being pulled by inspiration, pulled by the vision of a life of love. And it's much more enjoyable and easier and fun to be pulled by inspiration than it is to be pushed by pain. So what happens is when we begin to really make a commitment to be heart-mind congruent for love, we begin to recognize, oh my God, I have been really focused on negativity much more than I ever even realized. And so there can be times of despair where we think, ugh, this is hard. It's not actually hard. It's just that we have become so enamored of our attack thoughts. We have so much invested in these beliefs of lack and limitation. We've become so habitually addicted to attacking others and ourselves as a form of false power. We think that our power comes from judging and attacking. And so we think that our power comes from making ourselves miserable and other people miserable. Look, I don't feel I can have a positive effect in this world, so let me have a negative effect in this world. I'm going to condemn people with my thoughts and then they can't hurt me. But no one can hurt us in this world. Only our attack thoughts can hurt us in this world. And it's just a fantasy. It's just an illusion that something else or someone else can hurt us. It's only the meaning that we make of it that can hurt us. So if in your heart you're going in this beautiful direction of awakening and love and joy and freedom and healing and wholeness and beauty and truth and wisdom and clarity and purity and creativity, abundance and prosperity. But then the slightest thing happens. The the light turns yellow when you would like it to stay green and you become annoyed and frustrated. And then you go into attack thoughts. Or uh, the line is too long at Starbucks. You don't like it. Or somebody in the line at Starbucks is talking in a way that you find obnoxious. Or they're dressed in a way that you find offensive. And now you're going to attack thoughts. There's something that's happening on the television. Now your mind is in attack. You're looking at the person on television and thinking, Oh, I'll never be that beautiful. I'm such a loser. I've tried everything. I can't get my body to look like that. Nobody will love me if I don't look like that. I'll never be good enough. 
to be admired and adored if I don't look like that and spiraling down. So then the mind has a litany of attack thoughts that just roll like dominoes if we don't interrupt it. And then we're miserable. What do we do with that misery? Does it motivate us to self-medicate or does it motivate us to go pray, to meditate, to have someone else pray for us? Does it motivate us to change our mind, to wake up and realize I'm suffering? There is another way. I could go into thoughts of love and thoughts of gratitude and take deep breaths, move into patience, kindness, compassion. I could go the other way. Or do I just keep going and going in that path of misery, which I call the pain train. So we go back and forth throughout our day between our loving heart and the attack thoughts, the judging, the complaining, the I'm the victim, they're doing something to me, life is doing something to me. I'm sad, I'm miserable, I'm always going to be, I'm never going to be. These kinds of thoughts. So what happens when we bounce back and forth like that is we're oscillating. We're vacillating. Where the pendulum is swinging back and forth so rapidly that we never feel balanced. Because we're not choosing balance. We're not choosing harmony. We're not choosing peace. So we consistently feel agitated, frustrated, irritated. Some people it becomes sadness, depression. For some people it becomes fear. For some people it becomes anger, bitterness. But it's all the same thing. We're thinking attack thoughts. We're entertaining the meaning that we have made of things. And the meaning that we have made of things is ancient. It's usually not from this lifetime. We're replaying decisions that we made about life and the meaning and interpretation that we made about life in previous lifetimes. And the experiences that we're having in this lifetime are to bring those beliefs into our awareness so that we can choose to have a healing. We can choose to surrender them and recognize, oh, the meaning that I made of this is not true. It's just my interpretation. And I am enamored of this interpretation because I'm identified with a false self. And that false self is one who's always in lack, always in limitation, always in separation. But if I could identify with my true self, which is the deep desire of my heart, then all these beliefs would fall away because I would recognize that was just an interpretation I made up. It's not the truth. The truth sets me free. I know I'm in alignment with the truth when I feel free, when I feel harmonious when I feel peaceful and content. So we bounce back and forth all day long with this incongruency 
So all day long, we feel agitated, frustrated, irritated, off balance. We're being rocked like little explosions. And each of these little explosions is simply our mind is choosing to believe something that's not true. When that happens, it creates like an explosion in our mind and those dominoes start to fall. And then if we don't catch it at the level of the mind, we start to feel emotionally upset. So the agitation and the irritation is those dominoes tripping over. Oh, he thinks I'm ugly, therefore I'm not good enough, something's wrong with me, so I'm never going to live the life I'd really like, I'm never going to get love, I'm never going to have abundance, I'm never going to have healing, I'm never going to... All because someone looked maybe at us or not, we don't even know. It's just the meaning that we've made of it. It's our interpretation. And it happens really, really fast. And so if we don't interrupt that domino effect at the level of the mind, when our mind is irritated, because a false belief acts like a splinter in the mind, it creates agitation, irritation in the mind. If we don't work with it at that level, to pull that splinter out and offer it to God and say, oh, look, I, I have a, a real attraction to this thought, but it can't be true. I know that because I don't feel peaceful when I think it. It's not true for everyone, therefore it can't be true for me. So I'm going to give this thought to God for healing. I'm going to give this thought to the Holy Spirit for the healing. I'm going to give this thought to the I Am Presence for healing. If we don't do that, then what happens is it moves into our emotional body and we start to feel emotionally upset. And we can literally go into any number of feelings depending on what our preferences are. Some people are attracted to sadness. Some people are attracted to anger, to hurt, to whatever the meaning is we make of it. And there, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we, we have the family that we have because they would help us illuminate these patterns and heal them. So in our family, if we grew up with, you know, or in our experience as a child, if we grew up with sadness, sadness feels comfortable to us, we'll rush to sadness. If we grew up in a household where there's anger and agitation, we'll rush to that because that feels familiar and comfortable to us. Just depends on what feels familiar, what feels comfortable, what feels like home to us, where our emotions go. And then if we don't interrupt that pattern when our emotional body is going off like a divine alarm clock, that's what I call it, then it travels into our physical body. So we start with this one negative thought that's like an explosion. And then we add the domino thoughts, more explosions, more explosions, creating disturbance creating agitation in our etheric body. 
our mental body, it travels into our emotional body, and then it travels into our physical body. And if we allow ourselves to be continuously shocked and shocked and shocked by believing these untruths and not interrupting these patterns, and a lot of us don't, instead of interrupting the pattern, we, we put logs on the fire that's burning our house down. And we say, that's right, no one's ever going to love me. I'm never going to be successful. Here's this pattern again. I'm never going to be able to break out of it. Oh, no, it's happening again. I'm incompetent. I'm ugly. I'm unlovable. I'm, there's something wrong with me. Everybody's an idiot. Whatever it is, it just keeps going. We build evidence. You see, there's more. Here's more evidence and more evidence and more evidence. When we do that, we're completely aligned with the ego, with the false self, and we're totally in our intellect. Where's our heart? We don't even know. So if we allow that to continuously happen for long periods of time without interrupting it, then it travels into our physical body. Haven't we all felt the splinter in the mind, move into our emotional body, we don't catch it, it moves into our physical body. Now we're literally feeling anxious, physically anxious. Our heart rate has changed, our breathing has changed, our, the sweat on our skin has changed. We, if we feel shame, we might feel flushed, we might feel sick to our stomach, we might get a headache. all kinds of physical ramifications. Lots of people have stuff happening in their, their bowels because they, they're holding on to stuff. They don't want to let it go. They're afraid. All kinds of stuff. Do you know the largest number uh, of people who have heart attacks have them on Monday morning? You know, hard to figure out why. People get upsets and that are where they feel deeply hurt because of the meaning they make of it, and then they have a heart attack. So, the good news is we can set our intention to be heart mind congruent for love and what's going to happen is our i am presence our higher holy spirit self god is going to present to us all day long opportunities to choose again so what i talk about is the thought arrives in your mind i'm bad i'm wrong this isn't good you don't have to choose it. That thought is magnetized into your awareness because you already believe it. You're magnetizing. You don't have dominion over your mind. So you're just attracting into your awareness thoughts that are congruent with your belief system. So the thought arrives in your mind, something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough, this is bad, I don't like this, this should be different. Whatever that thought might be, 
you don't have to choose to think it. You don't have to choose to invest your awareness into it. You can back away from it. You can say, oh, I see the pain train has arrived in the station of my mind. That train of thought and its domino effect, if I get on that train, it's going to take me one place, Margaritaville. You know, a place of suffering, self-sabotage, and medication. Been there, done that. Got all the t-shirts and the bumper stickers and the hats that I need. Got the mug and the keychain, the lifetime supply. Been there, done that. Not getting on the pain train anymore. I'm going to align my heart and my mind with love. I'm going to think a loving thought. And for me, the easiest, most beneficial loving thought when I started was just, I'm so grateful I realized I don't have to think this thought. And that gratitude would open my heart and then my awareness, and then I would realize, okay, so what is the thought I'd like to think? I could just go to, I am love. I am love. Yeah, I am love and I'm willing to be loving. Okay. Now my mind is going in a different direction. So the part that gets really tricky is when we really would like to judge. I I remember one time I had a student come for a counseling session and they were very upset about something that had happened with their sweetheart, this breakup that had happened. They felt very devastated about it. And in the session, I was helping them to see their thoughts and about this other person. And they were very committed to their attack thoughts, their judgments and opinions about what should and should not have happened. And so I said to them, basically in a nutshell, as long as you think these judgments and attack thoughts and feel that you are right in thinking them, you will suffer and you will be the cause of your own suffering. So you've been suffering over them for a while now and you've noticed that the joy and the prosperity and the healing and the wholeness that you've been experiencing from really focusing on love, now it's going the opposite direction and you're feeling depressed the flow of prosperity is diminished, you don't feel harmonious, you don't feel happy, you're not looking forward to your life anymore, you're blaming this other person, but you're the one that's choosing to entertain these attack thoughts all day long. And that is what is diminishing the flow of abundance and love and prosperity and healing in your life. Not anything that this other person did or didn't do. It's you and your attack thoughts. And the only way out is to release your attachment to these judgments. And that's what true forgiveness is, is to realize the meaning that you made of it is not the truth. 
And so at the end of the session, I, towards the end of the session, I said, are you willing to surrender those judgments and those attack thoughts? Are you willing to move into forgiveness? And the person said, no, nope, I am not. I said, you do understand that if, if you continue to hold on to this stuff, you're just going to create more suffering for yourself. And they said, yeah, I get that. I understand that. But I am not willing to forgive. Not at all. And I have felt that way. And that is the incongruency. We say we'd like a, a life of love, a life of peace, a life of harmony, a life of joy. But are we willing to give up the resentments, the thoughts of revenge, all the shoulda, woulda, couldas? Are we willing to let it all go? Because the practitioner, the true practitioner, has to be willing to let it all go and forgive everything, which really just means to release the meaning that you've made of it. And as your mind opens up, you will be able to see from a higher perspective and you'll be able to see, oh, this actually was for my good. And I thought it was for my bad, but it actually was for my good. You know, I've been fired from several jobs. Every one of them was for my good, but I didn't see that at the time. And the one time when I did see it at the time, like, oh, this is fantastic. It it became like a rocket for my good. I got on a rocket of good because I didn't hold on to any upset about having been fired. I said, oh, this this is good. And I've learned that to accept everything for my good makes it so. If I'm willing to accept everything as being for my good, then I can find the goodness in it. I can receive the goodness in it. This is why we repeat the same lessons over and over again. Because we say we'd like to live a life of love, but we're not choosing it in our mind. Our hearts and minds aren't congruent. So instead of moving forward into the next lesson and the next lesson and the next lesson and really spiraling up in our awareness and spiraling up and out and open into our experience of more peace, more prosperity, more love, more healing, more harmony, more joy, and all the spiritual qualities of God. We keep repeating the same lessons over and over again if we're not willing to release the meaning that we've made of them. We have to keep re-experiencing them until we finally are willing to let go of the meaning we've made of it. And then we can actually discover what it's for, harvest the learning from it, and start spiraling up again. So this is why we feel stuck for long periods of time in the same lessons, in the same suffering. It's because our heart and mind is not congruent for love. Now, We've all seen people in the world whose heart and minds are congruent for selfishness, for personal gain, for greed, right? People who say, I'm going to get my stuff, and that's what's most important to me. I'm going for it. My stuff is what I want. I want the money. I want the bubble. Whatever it is in the world they want. 
and their heart and their mind is totally congruent for what they want. And so they manifest the money. They manifest the fame. They manifest whatever it is they think they want in the world that is going to make them happy. They're very good at it. However, if they do think that that stuff is going to make them happy, once they manifest it, they're going to realize, that ain't it, kid. That's not the thing that's going to make them happy. Witness... Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, right? Three people who seem to have everything that many people think they want. Beauty, fame, talent, real talent, real talent, extraordinary talent. And beauty. So much and so much money. Totally adored adored what happened to all three of them. They basically all died from self-medication. Maybe Marilyn Monroe was murdered, but there was no question that she was going deeper and deeper into self-medication at that time. So we think the things of this world will make us happy, but we already know that that will never be. What really truly brings that joy and that peace is being our true self, which is love. So being heart, mind congruent for love will manifest the very highest poss- possibility of love in our life. And Jesse is a very good demonstration of that because when I met Jesse, he, which I think was 2009, he Jesse, do you remember what it is you wanted when you first started in Finding Freedom? Um, I think a talk show, right? You did. You wanted a talk show on television, and you also wanted a husband, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. You wanted a husband, and you wanted to adopt a little black girl? Yeah, Keisha. Keisha. And what else did you want? Oh, God. I don't even remember. I, so I, I sent him to see lovingly. Um, yeah, lot, you know, see. A lot, lot, lot of things in the world, you know. Um, I wanted to do, I wanted to be stable. I wanted to have a lot of money. Um, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to... Um, I mean, I mean, all the list of everything that we could talk about that would probably, that creates more misery in everybody's life, you know, uh, a, a perfect body, you know, uh, you know, in regards to what the world was telling me that a perfect body would be. Um, and, yeah, everything like that, for sure. Okay, so now... We can all have a perfect body, but let's figure out Let's forget what the world thinks is a perfect body. And let's just have the perfect body for us. And we can all have abundance and prosperity. And, but let's not think that the way to get abundance and prosperity is that we have to labor for it, sacrifice for it, or suffer for it. And we can all have a loving, harmonious 
relationship, marriage, family, children. We can have these things if, if we, we'd like them. But if we think that they're, any of this stuff is going to validate us, then it's going to lead to our suffering. Because this, there's nothing in the world that could ever validate us and make us feel whole. It's just not even possible. Because if we think that anything in the world is going to make us feel whole, we're coming from the premise that we're not whole. And that belief is not going to be healed by the things of the world. Because what we experience in the world is a projection of our mind. So there's no way that the world can heal our belief system because what we see in the world is a projection of our belief system. So we, that's why we have to work at the level of the mind. Course in Miracles says all healing is at the level of the mind. Now you're going to study Ernest Holmes. Ernest Holmes, my favorite quote from Ernest Holmes is, healing does not take time. The only time it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. So in our choosing to become heart, mind, congruent for love, we're going to... I've proven this, and many, many other people have proven this that I personally know in my classes, including Jesse, is when we become heart-mind congruent for love, the healing starts happening at a very rapid pace. But if we're motivated by any desire to get something in the world, we're not in a modality of healing. We're in a modality of affirming our lack and limitation. So we're just going to experience more of it. So wanting, needing, craving, those are the thoughts that get us on the pain train. When we move into our heart and we begin to really explore our heart, then we can discover we already have love. It's been there all along. That's why the greatest, greatest joy in this whole world is when we're sharing love. It's not when we're getting love from someone else. If it were, Marilyn Monroe and Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley would have been the happiest people on the planet. It's when we're sharing love. That's the happiest time when we're sharing love. So we can learn to do that. And it becomes so apparent to us when we're thinking attack thoughts we are not sharing love. And if we're not sharing love, we're not living our purpose. And our heart and mind are incongruent if we're a practitioner. So again, you can be heart-mind congruent for anything. You can be heart-mind congruent for war, for greed, for suffering. And many people are, and they demonstrate the power of that. What I'm suggesting is let's be heart-mind congruent for love so that we have a healing in our mind and we live from our heart. Because then what happens is we stop magnetizing in these false thoughts, these false beliefs, because we clear them out of our heart by living from love. And so then the thoughts we think are the thoughts of God, thoughts of love, and joy, and patience, and kindness, and freedom, and creativity, and wisdom, and clarity, and purity. 
And thinking those thoughts all day long, all we do is just live a magnificent life and we radiate it. So I, I can feel lots of people have questions. I know it's time for us to take our break here. Yes, thank you so much. Why don't we take a three-minute break, everybody? So it's 2.30 right now. We'll come back at 2.33. I invite everyone to leave your phone on and just press mute and go ahead and take your potty break, refill your tea or water, and we'll come right back here at 2.33 and we'll open the class up for questions. Cool? Cool. Beautiful, and thank you for such a great teaching, Jennifer. Wolf. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay, so 2.33 it is, and we are hopping back on the call and to ask Jennifer some questions. So um, I, uh, I always reserve the first question for myself, so fair. <laughs> and uh, Jennifer, I guess my first question um, is, I have two, and I'm trying to think of which one would serve best. I think one I'll ask you when I have time with you. So the second one is, 
what are some of the, um, dare I say, uh, traps that spiritual students will fall in that are um, sort of specially designed for us, as in we go into judgment or uh, we go into attack or defense or we go into whatever it is, maybe even um, unconsciously because it seems as though it's the umbrella of spiritual compassion or love or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, there there are... Um... I, I hear what you're saying. So one of the things that uh, used to happen to me a lot of the time was that in my desire to be loving, I didn't understand really what being loving meant. So I thought that being loving to others and not being loving to myself was somehow better. So it was part of a strategy of giving to get, uh, coming from a place of lack. So I had experiences where people, friends, loved ones, lovers, sweethearts, would not treat me kindly and not be mindful of really being caring towards me. And I would forgive that and have compassion for that and allow it to continue. And I would think, well, they just don't know better. You know, I know better, so I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to have compassion for them. And um, what was really going on was that I did not love myself. And so I was being loving to them, but not to myself. Now, some people would say it was because I didn't have good boundaries. And I, you know, I'm really working with that word boundary because all is one. So what do I need boundaries for? I don't feel like boundaries is a word that I wish to invest my energy in. Not saying that it's bad or wrong, but for me, it doesn't feel right to say, okay, I'm going to have strong boundaries. For me, it feels better to say, I am committed to love. And this behavior doesn't feel loving to me. Can we look at it or talk about it? But I'm not going to accept it and allow it to continue because it doesn't feel loving to me. So I, I would forgive people and have compassion for them and allow them to mistreat me, not realizing that, oh, I was being loving to them but not to myself. And ultimately, when you take it a step further, like, for instance, here's an example. Um, someone makes a plan with you and they cancel at the last minute. Okay. Um, you know, that happens once or twice, you know, like Jesse and I make a plan to have dinner and he calls me at the last minute and says, um, you know, the sprinklers went on in, in the office building and uh, I've got to go down there and check that out. No problem. Do you want me to come with you? Can I help? You know, and, you know, fine, no problem. You know, but if he just calls me at the last minute and says, hey, I'm not going to be able to come, something's come up, I'm not going to be able to be there, well, what is it, you know? 
what what is causing that and is that happening all the time or half the time or something then it's like you know i don't think it's loving for me to make plans with jesse anymore and that's okay i don't have to make plans with jesse in order to love him and have him as my friend so um in my family I grew up where it was okay to be sarcastic. It was okay to be controlling and manipulative. And when I started waking up, I started feeling like, oh, that's not loving. That's sarcasm. That that controlling and manipulative behavior. You know, I'm going to control you with my moods and my attitudes. You know, if you don't bend to my will, I'm going to withhold love from you. I'm going to withhold kindness from you. I'm not going to love you and and have fun with you well all that controlling and manipulative behavior that doesn't feel loving to me so i don't want to participate in that anymore and so i had to say to my family hey i i i I don't wish that you would talk to me sarcastically anymore i don't that's not going to work for me anymore and in the beginning when i said that to my family they were like what are you talking about What are you talking about, Jennifer? And I said, yeah, it feels unkind to me when you speak sarcastically to me. I don't like it, and I don't want you to do that anymore. I'm asking you not to do that anymore. And so then they would speak to me sarcastically, and I'd say, hey, there's that sarcasm again. I I really I don't want to have that in our relationship anymore. And so I just kept calling them out. And when I realized, oh, this is like a big transformation here with my family, I, uh, I actually said to my family, look, here's the deal. I love you. My relationship with you is very important to me. However, I have decided to love myself. And so I am no longer accepting and allowing unloving treatment from the people in my life. So... I'm asking you to be only loving with me, wholly loving with me, completely loving with me. And it's no problem, you know, you, if there's, you know, an exception, I'm going to call it out, though. I'm going to say, I don't like that. I, can you reframe that? Can you change that? Can we talk about this? And if you're not willing to have this transformation to really having loving relationship then that's okay. We were connected forever, but I don't have to spend time with you anymore because I'm only going to choose to spend time with people who are interested in having a loving relationship. Now, I was not capable of having a completely loving relationship when I told my parents and my family that, but I was interested in learning how to. So I was happy to practice with them for years till we all got it right. And we really have. So all the relationships in my family transformed because I said, I'm only interested in having loving relationships. So a lot of us accept unloving relationships and treatment and behavior because we think it's loving to accept it. But it's not loving to ourselves. What's the highest and best for anyone is the highest and best for everyone. And giving people an opportunity to be unkind to you, unloving to you, and to mistreat you is not actually loving to them. 
because then they're creating negative karma and you're partly responsible for it. It's your karma too because you allowed it. There are no victims. So I think that's a lot more than you asked about, Jesse, but... (laughs) But hey, it was beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, All right, well, I'd like to uh, open the discussion up to anyone who'd like to have a question. And again, I encourage everyone, um, if there's a question that's really at the forefront of your mind, ask it. Uh, Chances are you'll be doing, well, not chances, I know you'll be doing a service for everybody. So uh, who would like to go first? The floor is open. Hi, this is Mara. Hey. Hi, Mara. Hey. Um, I just want to say thank you um, because um, everything that you touched upon today um, are things that I've been really, really challenged by. Um, and I, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask is, yeah, I, I get it, but um, is there any sort of practice to help you sort of put you in that place? Or, I mean, I, I, I guess that, that would be my question. Um, because I think it's everything is so hardwired. I mean, at least with me anyways. It's like I get myself in those situations and I know, I know theoretically and I know what's going on in my head and I know exactly I, I, I know it's to the point now where I'm in a place in my practice where these things come up for me and I'm very aware of them, but yet it's still very difficult for me to get from one place to the other. So I guess my question would be, um, are there anything that you do to help you put you in that space or any daily yeah. practice that you use for yourself? Definitely. And the first thing I want to say, Mara, is that feeling that you're talking about where it's really difficult and you recognize that you are being challenged to really live it, uh, that's totally normal. For me, there was a period in my life when I made this commitment to be heart, mind, congruent for love where it was excruciating because I was finally realizing how completely attached and devoted I was to my attack thoughts. I I started to actually recognize how much I loved my attack thoughts. And I did not want to give them up because I believed that my attack thoughts would protect me from pain and suffering. And so my desire to be loving was matched by my wanting to attack. They were equal. And so I felt like I was being ripped apart. I wonder if that feels familiar to you at all. Does that sound like anything you've experienced. Yeah, and um, because he did mention it earlier, and um, it just sort of hit me in the sense that, yes, 
I mean, they're both they're matched. I mean, my 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 wanting to be in this this heart place is matched by these other not so so positive feelings. And you're right; they do cancel each other out. And I do. I have noticed, um, and particularly the past several months, where um, because as you said, they do cancel each other out. Um, I haven't been feeling a lot of forward movement. And it's frustrating because I know it. I know I know exactly what it is that I'm that's going through my head and I'm so aware of the challenge and that's it would be the whole ignorance is bliss. Sometimes I wish I didn't know because maybe oh, yeah. I wouldn't be so maybe I wouldn't be so frustrated by it. And right. I think that and knowing that I, I beat myself up too. Because of it, yeah, sure. That's I, right. I should know. I should know better. You do know better. That's why you beat yourself up because you do know better. Now, is that really why you beat yourself up? It's not. It's really not why you beat yourself up. We beat ourselves up because we're identified with the attacker. We're identified with the attacker because we've become enamored of the attack thoughts. And these are the thoughts that cause our experience of separation. And our choosing the thoughts of separation and then the experience of separation and the thoughts of separation and experience, thoughts, experience, thoughts, experience, all confirm our belief in separation. And none of it is true. And so we suffer because we deep down we know we're the cause of our suffering. And we could stop it at any time if we choose. All we have to do is be willing to give up those attack thoughts. So the practice really is to become extremely mindful when the attack thoughts come into your mind and to go, oh, I'm so grateful. I just realized here's an attack thought. Because the second that you do that, you are not the attacker. You're the one that realized there was an attack thought. You're aligned with your higher self. You're not making the attack thought real. And valuable. You're saying, oh, here it is. It's like, oh, a wasp just came in my house. Vermin just came in my house. You're not identified with the vermin. You're watching it, right? Right. That little bit of distance, recognizing that you are not the thought. And you have a choice to think the thought, to get on the pain train or not. That little bit of distance is the practice that is like the blade of grass going through the concrete. It can, a tiny little seed of grass can bust through a huge piece of concrete. And the concrete has no power. The, the seed of grass has the power. And it wants to live and thrive. 
and be its true self. And the same is true for you. So those belief systems that are magnetizing into your awareness the attack thoughts, they are like concrete. And they have no power unless you invest your awareness and attention in them. And it's the constant reinvesting in them that makes them seem so real. So if, if you just look around your life right now, you can tell what you believe based on what you're experiencing, based on what you see in the world of form, what you're focused on in the world of form, what you're feeling physically, emotionally, and what you're experiencing mentally in the world of form. By looking at those things and really paying attention to them and I really encourage everyone to write down, okay, what am I seeing? What am I experiencing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling physically and emotionally? This is the byproduct of what I believe. So everything that you're not enjoying, you can change that belief. And how do you change that belief? It's you, when the thought comes into your awareness, whatever it is, that's the disturbance, the divine alarm clock going off, the splinter, oh, that thought is not a happy thought, then what I do is I give it to the I am. I give it to the higher Holy Spirit self. I give it to my higher self. And I say, this thought does not serve my life of love. I'm interested in being heart, mind, congruent for love. I am a creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in investing my awareness into. These dark thoughts of the past, regurgitating again and again, getting on the pain train, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm interested only in love, the thoughts of love, the thoughts I think with God. Now, what happens throughout our day is our higher self puts in front of us the memories of the past where we made meaning of something that does not serve us. And we have really built a case around those things. They come back again and again every day. And the tendency for many of us is to push that thought out of our mind and say, that thought is bad. That thought is wrong. Oh, that jackass, I don't want to think about them again. That stupid person who hurt me so much, I don't want to think about them again. So we try to push it out of our mind. Or we take it in and we go, yeah, that's right. They're a jerk. They're an idiot. They're a moron. They deserve to suffer. If we do any of that stuff, we're just making it more real. There's no healing possible. We're just going to keep experiencing it again. But if we can take the stance of the enlightened person, oh, I'm grateful I can see what it is I'm interested in thinking. Let me look at this thought. Is this a thought that I would like to invest my awareness and attention into and see it made manifest in my life? Because we're light creatures. And so a thought is like a slide, you could say, that your mind projects its light through that slide and then you see it writ large on your life. 
in some way in your form of your life. So form is thought, form is emotion, form is physical, and form is your experience, the world of form. So we're light. We project our light through these images. The images are our thoughts, and then we see them projected on the screen of our life. We are attracting those images, those thoughts, based on our belief system. So interrupting that choice to shine the light of our awareness, our attention, our belief, into that false thought, interrupting that is the, is the crux of it right there. And you can do that all day long. You don't need any special equipment. You don't need anyone's participation or permission. All you need is that willingness that I talked about earlier. I became willing to live a life of love. And then my awareness opened up and I saw how to pay attention to what my mind was choosing and to go the other way. The great thing is we don't actually have to figure out how to have a healing. We only have to allow ourselves to have a healing so we really just give those thoughts away oh i'm not interested in investing in this anymore i've already invested in it i've seen the fruit that it brings it's bitter fruit i don't want to have any more bitter fruit meals now this is not easy so describing it is easy but remember i said that for me really committing to this and living it was excruciating because I realized I was so enamored of and addicted to, like heroin or crack, these thoughts of attack. Does that feel like a practice that you can do, Mara? Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's about um, rethinking it. It's about finding a different way of of tackling the problem, and um, you've been really helpful with that. It's really more about choosing love and allowing yourself to open your heart to love. Because the whole thinking, rethinking it, that's really intellect and that's ego. So it seems like, oh, it's about have, you know rethinking it, but it's really just about you feel irritated in some way, the slightest irritation or frustration. Okay, I must be thinking something that's not true. What is that thought that's not true? Now, you may or may not easily identify it. If you don't easily identify it, just say to your higher self, whatever the thought is, known or unknown, I'm not interested in investing in it anymore. I'm only interested in investing in love, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, generosity. I'm a creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. Please take this attack thought, whatever it is, out of my mind. I'm not interested in the meaning I've made of things. I'm interested in the truth. And then your higher self... Your higher self knows everything. Your higher self knows what everything is for and knows every source of suffering that you're experiencing. 
every every cause of illness, every single thing. So that's why I find it so much easier not to figure out how, but just to allow the higher self to do the healing, allow the higher self to lead and guide. Because then we're re-identifying with our true identity. We're waking up. We're no longer sleepwalking as the ego, as the body, as the intellect. But you know what? It's it's a it's a totally different perspective. Of course, a miracle says pain is a wrong perspective. We're looking at it with the ego's eyes, the body's eyes, instead of with spirit. So that's where the training is. Go to gratitude. Oh, I'm so grateful. I recognized. I'm starting to feel agitated. I'm grateful. I recognized. I was thinking an attack thought. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm interested in love. And you know what? You might have to do that a couple hundred times a day at the start. And it might seem exhausting and overwhelming. But as the Course in Miracles says so beautifully, rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. So we're waking up to our true identity and that is what gives us boundless energy and joy. And feeling exhausted really comes from being identified with the body and the attacker. Yeah, so, you know, we've all got our work cut out for us, but, you know, let's, uh, let's be grateful we know what the work is finally got to that place. Oh, then you. the whole idea that it's a mystery just dissolves. It's no longer a mystery. Yeah. Jennifer, when do you um, know, I, I remember reading, uh, we discussed this in class about, um, you know, replacing an attached thought with a loving thought consciously. And then Ernest Holmes has written that eventually there need there isn't the necessity for the second step in that that right um, that the loving thought will just be it's like just clearing the dust off of the thought that was always there um, exactly and, and just yeah so how long do you think it took you until you began to experience that with through your sort of your diligent practice? Well, I would say I began to experience it right away, but I, I, it took me a few years to really move out of a place where I was thinking more attack thoughts than loving thoughts. It took me a few years. Once I realized, okay, I'm just going to put my whole attention on forgiving everything, giving up all my judgments and opinions, all my attack thoughts. It took me about three years before I reached a point where more of my thoughts and attention was on love than on attack. And when I got to more love than attack, then I felt peaceful most of the time. Because, you know, it's, it, there's a tipping point. It's like, have you ever seen um, 
like uh, if you've got drops of water, like let's say drops of water on a piece of glass, and you keep adding another drop and another drop, and then what happens is they all start to become, they, they're like magnetically attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. And water drops, you know, they, <clears throat> they join together. <clears throat> it's like that. It's, you, you just keep putting another drop of no, another drop, and then all of a sudden you realize it's all just, it's all one big field of clear water. It's like, it, there's, there's a tipping point where it just gets so much easier. And and you, you can say that from your own journey. Like if you think about when you started doing this work <clears throat> of being of choosing, deciding to be heart, mind, congruent for love, you can remember how you would get caught on a thought of this person is wrong or bad or stupid or mean or whatever, right? Sure. And you just keep cycling around it in your mind about it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then and you would cycle around on it for days, weeks. Right? Oh yeah. And but do you do that anymore? Um no, not so much. I mean, I definitely will say that uh I mean, it happens, but it the recovery time, the the healing uh, time is much, 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 much amplified. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, this is the thing is, we live in a world of contrast, right? The appearance of duality, separation. So our our method of learning in this world of contrast is through contrast. So like Mara was talking about, you practice you have an experience of healing. Things feel better in the flow. And you deepen your practice. You're praying more. You're meditating more. You're doing your spiritual practice of releasing the attachments, the judgments, the attack thoughts. And then you go through a period where, oh, maybe you go on vacation or work becomes really busy. Your practice becomes very minuscule. You don't have time to talk to your prayer partner. And a week or two goes by, and then all of a sudden you realize you're not as happy. You're, you know, things are falling apart. Something painful happens. And you get on the pain train, and you start riding that pain train, and you don't realize you're on the pain train. And you just keep energizing it, energizing it. And then you suddenly realize, oh, my God, what happened? I was doing so well. Now my life is so unhappy, like I was talking about with my client. That they came to me, why is my life now so hellish, you know? And I said, well, it's because you're not giving up these judgments that you have about your ex. Are you willing to give those up? They said no, temporarily. And so they just weren't ready. They were interested in having that extreme experience of duality. So we learn through the duality. We learn, oh, when my practice is deepening and my commitment is strengthening, my life improves. When I forget about that, my life becomes more chaotic, more messy, more painful. Ah, I see. I have two clear examples of the contrast. 
And now I can choose more clearly. I see the dark and the light. So that's the thing is we, we experience through contrast. So when you feel like you're experiencing lots of pain and suffering, it's just that, that, that opportunity to learn through contrast. It's not that you're bad or wrong or stupid. Not at all. It's that your higher self is helping you to see more clearly by showing you the contrast. Don't make meaning of it that there's something wrong with you. There's never anything wrong with you, ever. That's always an illusion. And I really believe that um, the the folks who uh, have come into this lifetime where there's extreme prejudice against them because of their their race or because of their sexuality or because of their height or their, you know, different things um, that they've chosen to embody in this lifetime. They're here to help us see where the prejudices are, where the self-hatred is. And so... Obviously, anyone who is homophobic is filled with self-hatred and putting it out there. You know, I just, I, I, I once had someone tell me that their, um, their child, was, their teenager was um, suicidal. And um, they took them to the hospital and uh, the emergency room to, to get help, and uh, on the way to the emergency room, the teenager said, I'm gay. And the reason I want to kill myself is because I feel like my father is going to hate me now. Well, the mother told me this story, and the mother didn't have any problem with the child being gay. It's all good to her. The father was a secret cross-dresser. So it's just self-hatred projected outward. All attack thoughts are self-hatred projected outward. All of them. Because there's only one. All forgiveness is self-forgiveness. All love is self-love. All hatred is self-hatred. It's all projected out on the screen of the life. Because that's what we do. We are the light projecting our awareness and attention through the thoughts that we're thinking. And we seem to make them real on the screen of our life. But only love is real. And love cannot be broken, damaged, hurt, or stopped. You can block your experience of love, but that's it. So we're removing all blocks to love because all the blocks to love are in our mind. And all we have to do is offer them to the higher self for healing. We don't have to figure out how. We only have to be willing to allow. Sometimes we have to be willing to be willing to be willing. Beautiful. The floor is still open if you have a question for Jennifer. 
I think it's really good to ask questions that are specific to your life experience because then we all can see it reflected in our own life more clearly. So if you have anything that is in your mind where you just can't seem to let it go and you keep going over and over it, um, like that splinter in the mind, Hi, this is Vanessa, um, and I don't have a question. I just want to express my gratitude um, for you in, on this call and for Jesse for setting all of this up because it's been amazing to say the least. So I just want to say how grateful I am for your words and for sharing um, your knowledge and experience with us. You're welcome. And, um, you know, when the day comes that someone says that to you, um, just know that they will be so grateful that you are willing to be heart, mind, congruent for love. And every, every time it was difficult, excruciating, painful, but you were willing to hand over that thought, that belief to the higher self for healing, that... You, you did it for them, too. And they're so grateful. I, I definitely remember times where I was just weeping and weeping and weeping out of gratitude that my teachers didn't give up. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hi, Jennifer. This is Tom. How are you? I'm great, Tom. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you. I had one of my former ministers. She was talking about a lot of this process, what she called was chemicalization, where, you know, you start on this path of uh, change, like you're wanting, uh, you're accepting love for yourself, or you're accepting peace or prosperity and for me it would be like prosperity for myself and she said everything uh, when you start this process then everything that's unlike it starts coming up for healing and it's like uh, you know if you drop uh, you know how uh, one chemical will react with another it's like if you put uh, uh, oxygen with iron and you get rust well you know, eventually it'll all dissolve and uh, and be out of the way. You know, as uh, as you keep putting uh, putting this in, you know, the new thoughts that it just keeps coming up until you just uh, uh, or you at least see it. You know, and it comes up for healing. And this is what she called was chemicalization. That was her word for it. But that was, uh, you know, basically the same process. And uh, with me, it's coming up with uh, uh, with prosperity, you know, and accepting that abundance for me. And uh, I know 
many years ago, I had, uh, back in the, uh, the early 90s, in 94, I declared bankruptcy and cleared out a lot of stuff. And then for a long time, I was great on it, and then I started accumulating more and more debt and stuff. So I uh, find myself at, in that, a worse situation, but I am not uh, don't want to declare bankruptcy. I want to clear it all out and heal the that thought of whatever it is that's causing that that uh, that uh, um, for me lack of uh, prosperity and and the other day I was walking down to uh, dialysis and uh, I was uh, thinking you know about something you know and I was uh, I said oh this uh, I had a thought of uh, a nice idea and I said oh. They won't want it. They they'll downplay it and blah blah blah. And then I realized that's that's not true. You know, that's me. That's feeling on those feelings of unworthiness, and I'm trying to clear that out. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do I keep on that abundance and that prosperity uh, thing? You know, until all clears out you know, that the flow starts opening up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question, Tom. So in in terms of heart, mind, congruency. So you heard me say at the beginning of the class that our true nature is the spiritual qualities, love, joy, uh, love, joy, creativity, wisdom, clarity, purity, freedom, abundance, prosperity, wholeness, harmony, all these spiritual qualities and more are our true nature. And you can think of those spiritual qualities that I named like colors of the rainbow. And when you bring them all together, creates that white light, right? So the white light is the love. That's our true nature. And we can express wholeness, abundance, prosperity, freedom, different colors of the rainbow. And it's all about projecting our mind through, uh, clearly, without a lens, without the thought of lack or limitation, or even the thought of abundance, but just expressing our true nature. So abundance and healing are part of the same expression. Wholeness and abundance are part of the same expression. And so the, in the Ascended Master realm, the Ascended Master who represents true abundance is Mother Mary. And it's her immaculate heart that is that representation of true abundance. So the immaculate heart, the completely loving heart, that's the immaculate heart, is the greatest expression of true abundance that there is. And simultaneously, it is an expression of wholeness. So when our heart is completely loving, we have true abundance and total wholeness. So healing of the physical and mental and emotional bodies, 
and expressions of abundance and prosperity are all related to that immaculate heart, that loving heart. So the focus really is to be loving, to clear your heart of every unloving thought. And that often requires forgiveness. Forgiveness really is releasing judgment, releasing the meaning that you've made of it that is like dirt in your immaculate heart. So your heart is naturally immaculate. And what happens is we become enamored of the opinions, the judgments, the meaning that we've made of things. And we became so enamored of it that we had this fall from grace and we began to believe that we were separate from God instead of part of God. So it's our remembering that we're part of God and so is everyone else. So we're one with everyone that we are restored to our immaculate heart. So that clearing out of the untrue thoughts is the path of prosperity. It is the path of healing physically, emotionally, and mentally. Now, forgiveness is the greatest tool. I have a free forgiveness workshop. It's on the homepage at jenniferhadley.com. It's called How to Get Over It. And the first place that anyone can begin, if they're really interested in doing deep healing and getting there quickly in a quantum way, is to take the tools that I offer of course, there are other people who offer great tools. Uh, Colin Tipping has his Radical Forgiveness worksheets. People love them. They're free at RadicalForgiveness.com. But the first thing is to forgive yourself, to forgive yourself. Anything that you think you can't forgive someone else for, start with self-forgiveness. Because if you think you can't forgive someone else, it's really yourself you can't forgive. So start there. Now, the other thing is, is if you have made the meaning that prosperity or abundance, things of this world will somehow make you better or that having debt makes you worse, if you have any belief like better or worse and you're trying to get something in order to feel better, then you're trying to work in the world of effects rather than to work at the level of the mind. And so this is the error that I made for a long time. I was trying to rearrange the chairs on the deck of the Titanic, not looking that the ship is sinking. I'm trying to make things happen in the world of effects to somehow get the ship to stop sinking, but that could never work. And I've already proven that to myself. So that's why I was so miserable because I knew in my heart it would never work. I was, I was sending myself on a fool's errand. Course in Miracles says all healing is at the level of the mind. So this is why I only teach he, working at the level of the mind. Thank you yep. so much, on That is a beautiful way and I... Uh, as you were speaking, I was writing copious notes on that. So, you know, that's, uh, it's so much uh, information, and I thank you so much for it. And I do appreciate you as a wonderful teacher. And I may not have expressed that 
before, but, you know, you have been patient and kind and loving toward me, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, well, it's my pleasure, Tom. You're a, a beautiful spirit, and it's always wonderful to be around you and to be with you. And um, I'll, I'll say that with the teaching that I'm sharing today, it is so deep and so multi-layered, and that's because the group of you have the willingness to hear it. Uh, so uh, it's a very deep and comprehensive teaching here. Now, the way these things work is that if you have a block to love in your mind, I think of it sometimes as a veil. Like if you have a belief, it's hard. It's hard to do this work. That will prevent you from understanding certain aspects of the teaching. Which, and the understanding is really remembering because the entire teaching is written in your heart. It's already pre-installed. That's why we have these aha moments where we go, aha, when those ahas happen, we're remembering the truth. It's not dawning on us for the first time. We're remembering it. We are the truth. We're not, the truth isn't something that happens in our mind. It's our beingness. And we have literally chosen to focus on lies, falsehood about ourselves. And we've come to believe it, and we've built a case for it. And we've, we've believed it so much, we've experienced it in the world over and over and over again, millions of times. And so we think it's so real, but it's not. It's just a projection of our belief system. So when we have ahas, if we're really interested in the truth, those ahas stick. But how many of us, myself included, I used to have ahas all the time, and then 30 minutes later, the next day, I couldn't even remember them. And they were so powerful when I first had them, like, holy moly, I get this. And an hour later, I didn't even remember I had that aha. Or I'd think, what was that aha I had? I should have written it down. And it was just because my mind wasn't willing to fully accept it. I was, the, I was identified with ego, and the ego said, we're going to shut that sucker down. You're not going to have access to that. You have to really be willing to have access to it to get it. So that's why our willingness is all that's required. The more willingness we have, cultivating that willingness to be grateful and to be loving, that's our work 100% of the time. That will get you there so fast. The more willing, the more grateful, the more loving you are, the faster the healing happens. But if you're trying to get something, then you're coming from a place of lack. So you can only experience more lack. It's being willing to recognize you have everything that allows you to experience the fullness of it. Seek first the kingdom which is within and all else will be added unto you. So if you're seeking to be loving, if you're interested in being loving, if you're looking for loving opportunities, then and you choose them and you express your energy into them, then you'll start to realize all those colors of the rainbow, the wisdom, the clarity, the freedom, the joy, the abundance, the prosperity, the wholeness, 
the harmony, the beauty, the truth will all come alive in your mind. That is the all else being added unto you. So the kingdom is the kingdom of love. Put that first in your life. Just do it for one day. One day. Like give it your best shot for one entire day. And you will never, ever want for motivation again. I'm telling you, you will you will turn the tide. Jennifer, I'm just going to interject here. Um, not interject, add to, grow, and expand on. Um, that is so beautiful and so right on the head. And I think it's the um, teaching that we go back to in almost every single class and one that has saved my life and one that I feel like I need constant reminding of is just love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Everything else will unfold in my experience easily, effortlessly if I continue to deepen my commitment to know myself as love, which in another way is another way of saying to know God. And I just think what you just shared with Tom and with Mar and Vanessa, beautiful, beautiful examples of just love yourself. And it always surprises me the specifics that we can get ourselves into about why we shouldn't love ourselves. <laughs> you know, that what is missing right now um, to, I mean, I felt I'm in this, I'm taking a trip right now with my, uh, with Chris, we're at a wedding of my, I guess you could call her niece, though she's a year younger than me, but she's my niece-in-law. Um, and we're staying at this beautiful hotel in Vermont um, that's very, uh, I mean, and we've been gifted it, the experience, which has just been such a generous offer from his family. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of money here. And I feel like I've noticed and I've been very aware of that push to be like, how can I make more money? How can I make more money? And how can I make more money so that these people will want to have a deeper conversation with me, that they'll be interested in, you know, I find I'm like, talk about doing the TV stuff. They're more interested in that and then the spiritual stuff. You know, talk about that instead. And I've just been really noticing those thoughts come up and then thank goodness that I have the, the muscle system to release it and let it go and say, yes, my love, you're loved. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to do. You're loved. You're perfect right now. But it's interesting how that's one way that I can easily beat myself up. And then another way would be, you know, like anything, depending on which environment I am in, it feels like they're perfectly designed to support me in remembering to love myself unconditionally by not allowing the thoughts which come up. And as far as I know, they may always come up but it's creating the distance between them and seeing that there's absolutely no power in them and reminding myself that it is about love. It's just about love. It's all about love. Always, always, always. And then I get grateful for the opportunity to remind myself, to strengthen that muscle, that remembrance, you know. And so um, what, a, what a powerful, beautiful teaching. And um, so simple and... And, and I'm not even going to say yet challenging to achieve. I'm letting that belief go, like you said. It's so simple. Simply love yourself. 
and everything else just seems to fall into place if we learn to go forward towards our inspired ideas and thoughts that arise naturally as a result of removing those blocks, those thoughts. All that stuff it takes up so much of that space that we can, we get to use to create something truly magnificent um, from love, as love through love. So I just bow to how beautiful and clear your teaching is. And um, if anyone has any uh, other questions or would like to share your thoughts on the teaching today, I really invite you to take advantage of the Facebook groups. Let's start a dialogue. Put your questions in there and see what arises through the wisdom um, in the group consciousness because Jennifer will tell you the wisdom that is within her is the wisdom within all of us because it is the universal wisdom, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of love. And so my teacher, my friend, I bow to you and I say thank you so much for sharing your words and your teachings today. What a, what a gift. I, I just want to say one more thing and, and uh, that is that I encourage you to listen to this multiple times because as the veils in your mind, the blocks to love, fall away, you will hear things that you didn't hear this time, next time, the time after that because this is a very rich and deep teaching, so it's very multi-layered. So you just you will hear more each time you listen to it. So give yourself that gift. I always laugh when... Someone tells me, well, I don't need to review that. I already read it once. I got it. I always laugh. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's like every time I review anything, any of the teachings that we go over with the practitioner program or if I, um, you know, it's so beneficial to just start from uh, 101 so many times because there's always something new in there because you're hearing it differently. So um, mm-hmm. what a wonderful suggestion. And I open that invitation up to any of our classes listen, review, there's always new information. Review the chapters of the books that we're reading. Review, review, review. And uh, Because, yeah, I mean, I think we could just keep re- reading the same material over and over again and, and never cease to get new information from it. Also, this, this teaching, particularly what I shared about prosperity and healing with Tom, lessons 68 and 69 in A Course in Miracles, Love Holds No Grievances, and My Grievances Hide the Light of the World uh, in Me. So you can study those uh, endlessly. I love them. Beautiful. And, and thank if you. Someone would, yeah, and if someone would uh, write that in the Facebook groups, uh, just take it upon yourself. Lesson 68 and 69 in A Course in Miracles, so we can all be reminded to review that. Yes, of course. Um, Jennifer, would you like to uh, close this out with a blessing? I would love to. So we're grateful and we're thankful. And I invite you to place your hand on your heart and take this breath of gratitude with me. So we're giving thanks for all of our teachers, known and unknown, felt and not felt, recognized and not recognized, seen and unseen, the teachers visible and invisible, all those who have contributed to our life of love and learning. Just breathing in gratitude and blessing them right now. So grateful for every experience we've ever had right now, partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self, the I am that I am, and choosing 
to release the blocks to love and to awaken to our true identity. This is what I know for each and every one of us. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the healing, to surrender all belief in lack and limitation, all attraction to thoughts of attack and blame and shame and regret, resentment, revenge, hurt, sadness, fear, doubt, worry, jealousy, surrendering it all right here and right now and opening our hearts to be washed clean, cultivating the immaculate heart, the heart-mind congruent for love. We're grateful and thankful to give all the heavy lifting to the higher self. We're grateful to share the benefits with everyone and to bless this inspired community and to know that we live an inspired life. In grace and gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, Jennifer, so much. And My joy. I'm going, um, I'm going to invite everyone who uh, is in the year two class, so those who meet regularly Saturday at 8.30 a.m. to just stay on the line as I'm going to give you your reading as I speak. And everyone else, have a beautiful, blessed day. So, and Jennifer, thank you again. I look so forward to connecting with you soon. My joy. Love you. All right. Mm-hmm. Love you too. Bye. So for the year two practitioners, um, your reading assignment this week out of Living the Science of Mind uh, begins on page 83 with What We Believe, And then the next chapter, Why Talk So Much About God. The next chapter, The Discovery of God is Personal. The next chapter, The Silent One Within Us. And the next chapter, The Presence is Peace, Joy, and Beauty. So that's what we believe, why talk so much about God. The Discovery of God is Personal. The Silent One Within Us. The Presence is Peace, joy, and beauty. And that's pages 83 through 115. Pages 83 through page 115. And um, I will send out the reading guide on Monday. And I look so forward to connecting with you all next week. I love you all. And uh, again, use that Facebook group. What are your thoughts? How do you feel from today's class? I'll talk to you all real soon. Bye now. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.